of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello and welcome to episode 67. I am Mosh. And last week, right before the podcast went live, Sony was like, hey, you guys want to see the controller for the PS5? Here it is. And I was thinking about delaying the podcast by a day, but I said to upload it anyway because it was just the controller reveal. If it was the full console reveal, then I would have delayed it. So now that it has been a full week, well, not at the time of this recording, but when this goes up, it'll be a full week since the reveal. So I'm going to talk about it right now. The controller will be called DualSense. We've reached an exciting milestone with PlayStation 5 as we're starting to ship our new controller in its final design to developers who are implementing its unique features into their games. But first, we wanted everyone in the PlayStation community to get a first look at the DualSense wireless controller and hear our vision for how the new controller will captivate more of your senses as you interact with the virtual worlds in PS5 games. The features of DualSense along with PS5's Tempest 3D audio tech will deliver a new feeling of immersion to players. When PS4 launched in 2013, the DualShock 4 wireless controller garnered a lot of positive feedback from gamers and developers for being the best PlayStation controller yet and for introducing forward-looking features like the share button. This brought us to the next question, how do we build upon that success? After thoughtful consideration, we decided to keep much of what gamers love about DualShock 4 intact while also adding new functionality and refining the design. Based on our discussions with developers, we concluded that the sense of touch within gameplay, much like audio, hasn't been a big focus for many games. We had a great opportunity with PS5 to innovate by offering game creators the ability to explore how they can heighten that feeling of immersion through our new controller. This is why we adopted haptic feedback, which adds a variety of powerful sensations you'll feel when you play, such as the slow grittiness of driving a car through mud. We also incorporated adaptive triggers into the L2 and R2 buttons of DualSense so you can truly feel the tension of your actions, like when drawing a bow to shoot an arrow. This provided us with an exciting challenge to design a new controller that builds off of the current generation while taking into account the new features we were adding. For example, with adaptive triggers, we had to consider how the components would fit into the hardware without giving it a bulky feeling. Our design team worked closely with our hardware engineers to place the triggers and actuators. The designers were then able to draw the lines of how the exterior of the controller would look and feel with a challenge of making the controller feel smaller than it really looks. In the end, we changed the angle of the hand triggers and also made some subtle updates to the grip. We also took thoughtful consideration into ways to maintain a strong battery life for DualSense's rechargeable battery and to lessen the weight of the controller as much as possible as new features were added. For the buttons, you'll notice there is no longer a share button as we had with the DualShock 4. Don't worry, it's not going away. In fact, we've built upon the success of our industry-first share button to bring you a new create button feature. With create, we're once again pioneering new ways for players to create epic gameplay content to share with the world or just enjoy for themselves. We'll have more details on this feature as we get closer to launch. 
DualSense also adds a built-in microphone array, which will enable players to easily chat with friends without a headset, ideal for jumping into a quick conversation. But of course, if you are planning to chat for a longer period, it's good to have that headset handy. Now let's talk about the colors. Traditionally, our base controllers have a single color. As you can see, we went a different direction this time around and decided on a two-toned design. Additionally, we changed the position of the light bar that will give it an extra pop. On DualShock 4, it sat on top of the controller. Now it sits at each side of the touchpad, giving it a slightly larger look and feel. In all, we went through several concepts and hundreds of mockups over the last few years before we settled on this final design. DualSense has been tested by a wide range of gamers with a variety of hand sizes in order for us to achieve the comfort level we wanted with great ergonomics. Our goal with DualSense is to give gamers the feeling of being transported into the game world as soon as they open the box. We want gamers to feel like the controller is an extension of themselves when they're playing so much so that they forget that it's even in their hands. We are thrilled about sharing the final look of the DualSense controller with our fans and we can't wait for everyone to get their hands on it. I'd like to close with a message from SIE President and CEO Jim Ryan to the community. DualSense marks a radical departure from our previous controller offerings and captures just how strongly we feel about making a generational leap with PS5. The new controller along with the many innovative features in PS5 will be transformative for games, continuing our mission at PlayStation to push the boundaries of play now and in the future. To the PlayStation community, I truly want to thank you for sharing this exciting journey with us as we head toward PS5's launch in holiday 2020. We look forward to sharing more information about PS5, including the console design, in the coming months. I will put a link to this article in the description if you have not seen this design by now, which you probably have because everyone was talking about it the day it was revealed. So many comparisons, people say it looks like an Xbox controller, which I mean it, it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't. I don't think it's that much of a difference between the PS4 controller because I saw a GIF of the PS4 controller transforming into this one where the analog sticks were the exact same size and the size difference of the controller itself were not. It was very subtle. I think it just looks bigger, but it's not actually that much bigger. But yeah, it is white and black this time, which probably means that the PS5 itself will be white and black because the controller always matches what the console color is. So the fact that this is mostly white with a black accent means that the console will probably be white with hints of black in it and blue. Well, maybe not the blue. The light bar is blue, but it's not always going to be blue. So maybe not so much blue, but definitely white and black, which is interesting. I like the design of this controller. A lot of people don't like it. It looks next gen to me, which is why I like it. I'm just wondering if the white is going to get dirty because the PS4 Pro Limited Edition Spider-Man version, the analog sticks on that controller were white and they turned to brown pretty quickly. <laughs> now... The material of the analog sticks and the controller itself are two different things. It's not the same material. So maybe the controller itself won't get as dirty, but it's still probably going to get dirty. And there's been a lot of fan mock-ups already made. I've seen a really cool Assassin's Creed one, Kingdom Hearts, just like different color options, gradients, just some really cool designs. And the shape of this controller allows for that because it's symmetrical. That's the one thing about Xbox 
is having the analog sticks be diagonal to me as someone with like minor OCD it bothers me to me it, just, it has to be symmetrical so seeing the designs on the dual sense just look really really cool I wish I could find a place where I could just show all of them and put a link to it but I don't know where that would be so just search up dual sense custom designs or mock-ups or whatever and I'm sure you can find a ton of them so the customization on it could be really cool. Another thing people are talking about is the built-in microphone and how it's going to be annoying and you're just going to hear button clicks all the time. Why wouldn't it have push to talk? The year is 2020. I think we can have push to talk. I think that would be implemented. I don't think Sony would spend years researching a controller and not think about button clicking. They didn't go into detail about how the mic works, but I would have to assume there's push to talk. And you're probably going to use your right thumb to click because there's a button right there i'm looking right at it under the playstation logo there's a button with the mic logo underneath of it so you probably push the button for push to talk and you're probably going to use your right thumb which takes it off of the face buttons and the face buttons are always like the loudest they're louder than the d-pad buttons so there's not going to be a whole bunch of clickety clackety going on but that's just an assumption i don't know if push to talk is implemented or not but yeah, I'm really into it. I really, really like how this thing looks. I do wish that the PlayStation logo on the controller was colored though. Like the classic, traditional PS1 style PlayStation logo. That would be really cool. Someone actually made a mock-up. Like if this was an original PlayStation controller. What it would look like. And it was, it was really cool. They did take away the colors on the face buttons though, so like the triangle's not green, circle's not red, X isn't blue, and square isn't pink. It's just all white. It's just whited out. And I'm sure there will be a blacked out version. People are like, oh, I want an all black controller. You'll get it. You know when you'll get it? When the PS5 Pro drops. Because you know that console's going to be blacked out, and they're going to give you a murdered out controller with it. And this thing will absolutely come in different colors. I don't know why people are worried about that. PlayStation always has different colored controllers like that. Don't even worry about that. They will come. <laughs> they will definitely be available at some point. Alright, let's move on over to Resident Evil again this week. Because it hasn't been officially confirmed. But rumors are running wild. Heavy rumors that Resident Evil 4 Remake is in the works. Resident Evil 4 Remake has now entered full production with an estimated release window in 2022. Development is being led by Osaka-based M2, the new studio founded by former Platinum Games head Tatsuya Minami, which has been preparing for the project since 2018. However, similar to how 2020's Resident Evil 3 was directed by company Redworks, Capcom's internal teams and other external studios are likely to lend significant development resources. It's understood that the remake has the blessing of original game director Shinji Mikami, who officially declined an approach to lead the project himself but has provided informal advice on its direction. The studio helming the remake has been in operation since 2018 and is comprised of many former Platinum and Capcom employees. M2 recently contributed to the development of 2019's Resident Evil 3, but wait, 2019's Resident Evil 3? Or 2019's Resident Evil 2? Or did you mean 2020's Resident Evil 3? Someone got something wrong there. 
Anyway, M2's role on that game was always intended as a precursor to its main project. 2005's Resident Evil 4 is Capcom's highest rated game of all time, according to review aggregation site Metacritic, with sales totaling 7.5 million copies across various platforms. The horror installment is regarded as one of the most influential games of the 2000s, with its off-the-shoulder viewpoint in particular widely approached, adopted by many third-person shooters that followed. The game overhauled much of the series' tropes up until that point, with survival elements such as scarce ammo made it less relevant and a faster pace introduced. Zombies were replaced by a fanatical religious cult, the Los Illuminados would swarm the player in large groups instead of appearing as lone, stumbling baddies like in past Resident Evil games. In the 15 years since its release, Resident Evil 4 has been ported and remastered dozens of times, but never fully remade. The game was released with new content for PlayStation 2 shortly after its GameCube debut, and a Wii version arrived in 2007 with motion control aiming. A HD remaster was later released for PS3, Xbox 360, and PC in 2011, and then again for Xbox One and PlayStation 4 in 2016. 2020's Resident Evil 3 features a number of potential nods to 4's forthcoming remake, including the introduction of Parasite Zombies, which appears similar to Resident Evil 4's Plagas, and at least one sequence similar to a quick time event, which featured heavily in the fourth game. Resident Evil 4's original lead coder, Kiyohiko Sakata, another Platinum Games veteran, was the game director for the Resident Evil 3 remake via his company Redworks. Resident Evil 4's original director, Shinji Mikami, was approached to co-found M2 but turned down the role due to his commitment to Bethesda's Ghostwire Tokyo. The next entry in Capcom's long-running series will be Resident Evil 8, offering a continuation of the revamped first-person mechanics introduced with 2017's Resident Evil 7. Like Resident Evil 7, the 2021 game will feature a first-person perspective and returning protagonist Ethan Winters. However, the game will feature many narrative and mechanical departures for the series, including hallucination and insanity segments, as well as enemies based on mythical creatures such as werewolves. Like I said last week, I don't think anyone affiliated with Capcom sleeps. It's just work, work, work. And in this, this person says that the protagonist for Resident Evil 8 is going to be Ethan, where the rumors I read last week said it could be either Ethan or Chris or someone new. So Resident Evil 4 Remake is coming in a couple of years, and guess what? People aren't happy. Wah, wah, wah. Mostly because they want a Code Veronica remake, which could still happen. And people say that Resident Evil 4 is just good how it is and doesn't need a remake. But you gotta think of it like a business. Resident Evil remake, the first game, people liked. It's Resident Evil 2 remake, people liked. Resident Evil 3 remake, people liked. So what's the next logical step? You could take Resident Evil 4, which is a very highly regarded game. Or you could take Code Veronica. Which one's going to bring you in more money? Which one are you going to lend your money and resources to at this point in time? It's going to be Resident Evil 4. It just makes sense that way. And guess what? You don't have to play the remake. The original still exists. Once a remake comes out, the original just doesn't disappear. You can still play it. You can still enjoy it. You're not forced to play a remake. <laughs> 
I mean, look at Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's holding up pretty well. It's doing a pretty good job right now. But I'll get to that in a second. And people are asking if you're going to spend all this time remaking these games, Capcom. Where's Dino Crisis? Good question. Alright, let's talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. So, I'm only a few hours into the game. Not that far. So, I can't really say too much. And I also don't want to spoil things because they did add new stuff to this game. But so far, so good. Like, it's definitely met my expectations. Just being able to walk around and see the things remade from the original. Just, uh, I don't even know how to describe what I'm trying to say. Just being able to see the things and the detail and all that and the world. The people around it. Actually hearing people talk. Actually having the characters have voices instead of reading text. Like, it's just so good. It's really, really good. And it's addicting. Like, this is a game you have to force yourself to stop playing. Or else you could just keep playing it forever. I don't really even have any complaints. Other than just, like, some minor ones. Mostly because when you're in the slums. It seems like it's only when you're in the slums. Then again, like I said, I'm not too far into the game right now. And I obviously haven't beat it. So maybe in other parts of the game you see it. But as of right now, when you're in the slums. Like, some of the textures just don't load all that quickly like it kind of takes a few seconds which could probably be fixed in a patch along with some of the people they just kind of like phase in <laughs> it's like one second they're not there and then the next second they just slowly fade in again that's just minor like nitpicky things it doesn't ruin the game for me but yeah other than that like i just i'm satisfied the combat took a second to get used to that scorpion fight i don't know why i struggled so much with it because in the demo i played the demo a couple of times and the scorpion fight went much better but of course when the full game comes out and i record it for a playthrough everything just has to come crumpling down i mean it wasn't that bad i was just making really stupid decisions like i was trying to heal when there's rockets coming straight at me like it's just it was just dumb I wasn't being smart about it. I think it's just because I was too excited. I just wanted to get through it so I could experience the rest of the game. So I kind of just thought back to Bloodborne. And when I started Bloodborne, I was doing the same thing. Like I was just going too quickly and just being dumb. And I was paying for it. And it wasn't until I started to slow everything down and really think about the fights. And approach them in a more methodical way. That I became much better at the game. And then I basically just breezed through Bloodborne at that point. And then to prove the game wrong, I went and got the Platinum Trophy. Not saying I'm going to breeze through Final Fantasy VII Remake, because I'm going to die. But now that I've slowed everything down and really start thinking about these battles, I've been doing much better. I'm trying not to get too antsy about it. I'm just so happy that there's voice actors. <laughs> just hearing the characters talk and their personalities. I love all of them. Like, they all fit perfectly the music oh my the music is top notch it's so good and then that adds to the atmosphere of everything as well like they just they did a really good job and this is only part one <laughs> we gotta wait for part two and i'm assuming three i would have to think that there's gonna be three parts three parts to go along with the three discs from the original is this better than the original I don't know. I can't comment on that because I haven't played all of the parts yet. I, I will get back to that in a few years. It's definitely holding its own right now. 
And that's the cool thing about it because of how different it is. It's like if you want that more modern approach, here it is. Here's your remake. If you want to go back and play that classic turn-based RPG style game, it's still there to play. Like you get the best of both worlds and I love that. I love that both of these games can coexist together and be appreciated and be loved and be the same thing just in two different ways. And I'm thinking back to the original in certain scenes and like situations that happen and I cannot wait to see what they look like in the remake. Not necessarily in this one, but in part two or part three or whatever the future holds for this remake. Whew, boy, it's going to be some good stuff. And also keep in mind that Final Fantasy VII is one of my top five favorite games of all time. So my expectations are kind of high. And this might be the very last PS4 game I ever buy because I can't think of anything else coming out until the PS5. So this might be the end. I mean, it would have been The Last of Us Part Two, but that's delayed indefinitely, so who knows? I'll probably just wait for the PS5 version, honestly. What a way to go out. Ending it on Final Fantasy VII Remake. Possibly Last of Us Part Two if it comes out soon. That's how you end a generation right there. Final Fantasy VII Remake and possibly The Last of Us Part Two. Go out with a bang. After I beat the remake, I might go back and play through the original again. But not a playthrough on YouTube. I, I would just stream it. Be a Twitch exclusive. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see if I'm Final Fantasy VII'd out by then. Let's go ahead and move on to music. So this week we have new songs from Make Them Suffer, A Day to Remember, and Currents. So we'll start with Make Them Suffer since they are first up. The song officially drops on Monday, although this goes up on Tuesday, so it'll already be out. I may or may not have already heard it somehow, some way. I just, you know, I can't explain these things. The song is called Drown With Me, and whew, 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 the ending, heavy, I like it. Kind of similar to the previous single, Erase Me, in the fact that Booker sings the chorus again, and you only hear the chorus twice, you hear it twice in this song, you heard it twice in the last song, and I'm okay with her singing it. I don't know if she's going to sing all the choruses on this album or what. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a few songs where she doesn't sing or she's just more in the background, but I'm all for her singing. I think she has a good voice and it complements the song nicely. There's like a contrast between her voice and then like the heaviness of everything else and the main vocalist. So I'm into it. And yeah, that is her name, Booka, B-O-O-K-A. I don't know if that's her real name or just a nickname she goes by, but that's what everyone calls her. Next, we have A Day to Remember releasing a new song on Wednesday. So, I think it's going to be called Mind Reader. I'm not entirely sure, but I think that's what it's going to be called. But with this album, it was supposed to come out last year. They announced it. It's called You're Welcome. They showed the artwork. It had a release date and everything. Then they postponed it, and they went completely quiet. Nothing was said. There was no news on it. No one really knew what happened. So with the new song coming out on Wednesday, I'm assuming we're going to get the new release date. Or at least I would hope we're going to get the new release date. Not entirely sure why the album was postponed in the first place. It was just kind of weird. I mean, it wasn't even a small postponement. Like, it's been months. 
I think it's been at least half a year, at least. I'm pretty sure I just said at least twice, but that's, you know, at least what I think. So hopefully we get the release date for that album, and then on Friday, Currents will release their new single, and hopefully we get their album announcement as well. I'm pretty sure we will. They will reveal it. It's called The Way It Ends, June 5th release date, artwork, track listing, probably pre-order bundles, all that good stuff. I think we're going to get the whole nine on Friday with them. Not sure what their song is going to be called because I don't know the track listing of the album. But on Twitter, Sharptone Records said, Brace yourself. So, yeah, I'm braced. And that all just leads up again to June 5th, Make Them Suffer, Currents, Battling It Out, Friendly Battle. Let's just skip the month of May. Forget May. Forget it even exists. Let's just go right to June. Now we're getting into album of the year territory. Here come the heavy hitters. And it started with Ocean Grove's release. Next week, next Friday, the 24th, Trivium released their album. Then you got Make Them Suffer and Currents coming. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's more coming later in the year. The other albums that came out earlier this year, previous to Ocean Groves, they were good. I knew they were going to be good, but I also knew that they were not going to be album of the year contenders. Now we're getting into that territory, like I said. Alright, time for the weekly pick of the week. So this week, it was hard to pick. I didn't know what to do. No documentaries out there. I had to figure something out. Usually I just go back to music. So that's exactly what I did this week. I mentioned it very briefly a couple weeks ago, so I'm just going to recommend the whole album this week, and that is the new album from The Birthday Massacre called Diamonds. It's just a really nice album to listen to. It's only nine songs. The vocalist, she has a pretty soothing kind of voice, and when you take that, you take the little bit of 80s, you take a little bit of a goth sound. A little bit of rock, a little bit of electronic, and you combine that all together, you get a pretty nice result. And nice results end up in weekly recommendations. So let's head on over to the weird story of the week. A Florida man was shot. Okay, I'm not trying to make these be Florida stories, they just are. That's just how it be sometimes. A Florida man was shot by a mother of three after deputies say he broke into her Deltona, Florida home early Tuesday morning because he thought that dinosaurs were chasing him. According to deputies, Joseph Roberts, 32, tried to break into the home around 5.45 a.m. by shattering a front window. The woman inside, a 42-year-old mother with several teenagers in the house, called 911 saying, I don't want to shoot him, but I'm going to have to. Get out of my window. Sheriff Mike Chitwood said during a press conference that the mother gave White several verbal warnings to leave, and when he didn't, she opened fire. When deputies arrived, the sheriff said they found Roberts in the house, and he had quite an interesting story. Well, I have quite an interesting question, though, because his last name is Roberts, and it said that the mother gave White several verbal warnings. Who's White? His name is Joseph Roberts. I'm confused. Anyway, someone goofed, and it wasn't me. 
He told us that the dinosaurs were chasing him and he thought he got some bad weed. White was airlifted. Who's white? Where's this white person coming from? Nowhere does it say his name is White. Whoever wrote this has like two stories merged into one or something. Anyway, the dude was airlifted to Central Florida Regional Hospital in Sanford with injuries not believed to be life-threatening after he was shot in the forearm. He's lucky she was a bad shot, said Chitwood. Chitwood said they were seeking an enhanced penalty for committing a burglary during a national emergency. I guess the only explanation is watch where you're buying your weed during this time, said Chitwood. Okay, Sheriff. So that's going to do it for me this week. Thank you for listening. Links in the description for Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Links in the description to Twitch, Twitter, and Discord. And with that said, stay safe, and I'll talk to you next week. Later. Later.